Welcome to the LHA Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the message today. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit lhachurch.com. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, if you'll take them out and turn with me to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah, the ninth chapter. I want to say a special word of thanks to all of you who helped us uh, last weekend, whether it was in baking or prepping or delivering. We had a lot of people around the community that were just blessed by the kindness of Christ. And uh, thank you all so much for helping us to reach out in a tangible way to share the love of Jesus with those throughout the community. We had an opportunity to pray with many of them. And uh, it, was, it was just a great, great weekend together. Isaiah chapter 9 is where we're going to spend our time together today. Chapter 9, and we'll read in a few moments, beginning in verse number 6. You know, it's the Christmas season. And as we come to the Christmas season, we are reminded of the fulfillment of God's plan and His purpose to bring redemption, to bring salvation, and to bring a change in the lives of mankind. This morning, I want to, as we are heading into this time together as a reminder, I want us to open, first of all, in prayer. And I'd like for us to pray this morning a specific direction. Let's pray this morning, Lord, reveal, bring revelation through your word to my life, that it's not just something that I hear, but it's something that becomes a personal revelation for my life today. Will you pray that direction with me? Heavenly Father, today we just come to you in this place. And Father, it is in this time, in this gathering, that we set aside, Father, this time to be together in your word. Father, to hear from your word. We know and we believe that the word is quick, it is powerful, it is sharper than a double-edged sword. It's able to cut through all of the craziness of this world and to bring truth and to bring reality to our lives. And so, Father, today I pray for divine revelation that you will reveal your word to our hearts. Father, we've not come just to hear a nice thought. We've not just come today to hear uh, a nice theme. But, God, we've come today because we believe you still speak through the power of your word. And so, Father, what we're really saying is, Lord, we're here and we're ready to receive what you want to speak to us today. And so, Lord, would you just have your way in this place? And, Father, we give you all thanks in Jesus' name. And all the church said together, amen. amen and amen. You know, this birth of this child in Bethlehem, the birth of the firstborn in a stable in Bethlehem would bring about a change that would echo through the history and through the future of mankind. You know, many babies have been born. How many of you in this room were born? <laughs> I hope so too. If not, we'll have prayer for you when the service is over. <laughs> we all understand what it is for a baby to be born. Most of you that are parents, you remember when your first child was born and how your life took a change. Not long ago, I talked with a gentleman who uh, they had just uh, had a baby a few weeks ago. In fact, Paul and I were talking to him this, this past week, and 
he was remarking how tired that he was and how the fact that the baby just seemed like it wanted to get up and eat all through the night. And he was talking about, and if you're a parent, you understand this. He said, he said, I'll just get her to sleep. And as soon as I lay her down, her eyes open right back up and she's wide awake again. Babies bring change, don't they? They change our lives. They change our, our focus. They change how we see things in life. This Baby, this child born of Bethlehem, my friend, would bring change not only to the people in the current day, but it would bring change to our day. Not only to their lives, but to our lives. No, the child would be like him. There'd be no other mother like Mary. I think the question we have to answer is, you know, we come into this holiday season is what what difference will the fact that he came make in our lives current? In our circumstances, in our situation, in our heart, and the things that are going on around us. You know, Christmas is coming, and the Christmas birth that changed everything has the ability to bring change to your life and my life, our circumstances, and even our future. In the book of Isaiah, we see him described. The Holy Spirit, through the hand of Isaiah, penned the words for us to give us a picture of his true nature. He's not just the babe born in the stable, placed in a manger in Bethlehem, but really Bethlehem's stable was a launching pad that would bring about the fulfillment of God for your life and my life. Look with me, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. We find some 2,700 years before the birth of Christ. Isaiah wrote these words, For to us a child is born. To us a son will be given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. From these verses this morning, I want you to see the picture that has been painted for us. And not only that we see it, but I pray today there would be revelation of the words. First thing that we find in this passage is the Bible says, Jesus is wonderful counselor. Now, we all know what it is to have another name. Now, many of you may not know. I actually, most of you know me as Jerry, but that is not my real name. Uh, I am named after my father. My real name is Gerald. And uh, my mom and dad called me Jerry at home to keep it where we could understand who was being spoken to in the house. and So that dad and I knew who was in trouble. <laughs> 
And you know, many of you may not know me as that. In fact, I'm so accustomed to signing my name Jerry when I have to write Gerald, I have to stop it and write really slow to make sure that out of the habit I don't do the normal thing. We know him as Jesus, but the picture that is painted here through the prophet Isaiah actually gives us some other names that help describe who he really is. The first one says he is wonderful counselor, not just counselor. There are many counselors, but he is the counselor of counselors. He is the one that is described in his wisdom as wonderful. His words are bread to us. His words are life to us. His words are unlike any other words that can be spoken. He's not just the counselor, but he is called wonderful counselor. Jesus Christ has the answer to every question and a solution to every problem. There is nothing. Can you say nothing? There is nothing that stumps him or confuses him. He is omniscient. That means he knows everything. There's not a problem he doesn't have an answer to. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 25 describe it this way. The foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. He has it all. Matthew 11 and 28 tells us, if you're weary in mind, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. You ever been weary and burdened? Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. And he said, I will give you rest. We sang about it earlier. He is the good shepherd who leads us beside the still waters. He's the good shepherd who restores our souls. If you're in need of worldly goods, Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his rights and all these things. You ever had some things in your life you needed? <laughs> All these things will be added to you as well. Philippians 4 and 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. If you're worried about life and we find in John 14 the disciples were worried. Jesus said these words, do not let your hearts be troubled, neither be afraid. In Matthew 14 to 27, he said to the disciples while they were lost in a storm on a sea, he said these words, and, and folks, you've got to understand, these are fishermen, they're used to the water, they're out, but they are afraid because the storm is so fierce. And, and I don't know about you, but I've had some storms before where I wasn't sure I'd make it through them. That's where we find the disciples, and he says these words to them, do not be afraid, take courage. Man, this is a good word. I am here. We often see him at a distance, don't we? We see him on a throne in heaven, but I'm glad to know that he is with me every day, every moment, every step I take. Matthew 20 and 20 says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. As a believer, as a believer, we are to be a witness to those that are around us, but I don't know about you, but often I've found myself lacking when it seemed like knowing what to say to someone. 
without words. Jesus said, if we are concerned about that, Acts 1 and 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Jesus went on and he sent the 12 disciples out in Matthew 10, 19 and 20. He gave them this words, do not worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. We, this is kind of like the song we just sang, this is how I fight my battles. Instead of running in fear and running in worry and trying to figure it out in my own way and trying to, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? What if they do this? What he says, don't worry. With the right time, the Holy Spirit will give you the right words to speak. And I like this part of the passage. For it is not you who will be speaking. It will be the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. It's not in my ability. It's in his ability. Can you say Amen. John 5 and 8, he says, if you are weak in body, Jesus said to the man who couldn't walk, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And we find that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Jesus Christ has been called the wonderful counselor. It has been said that he has a counsel for every crisis. He has a plan for every problem. He has a direction for every dilemma you face. He has a prescription for every pain you endure. He has a message that he wants to speak to every man, woman, boy, and girl. Why? Because he is the wonderful counselor. Friend, he's the greatest gift that's ever been given to us. The word goes on to say he is also called mighty God. Isaiah has written these words, For to us a child is born... To us a son is given and he will be called mighty God. Jesus is the God-man. Christmas is about the incarnation when God took on flesh and became man. He's not just any baby born in Bethlehem because there were other babies born in Bethlehem. In fact, there's a good chance there were other babies born the same night Jesus was born in the same city. But this baby born in Bethlehem was born fully God and fully man. It was prophesied of him that he would be called Emmanuel, God with us. Now when Jesus was born, he was older than his mother but the same age as his father. Before time began, Jesus Christ existed with his heavenly Father. The Bible records it in the creation of the earth in John 1, verses 1 through 3, when it says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came down from the glories of heaven. He was born in Bethlehem. He was hidden away in Egypt. He was raised as a young man in Nazareth. He was baptized 
by John in the Jordan River. He was later tempted in the wilderness by our enemy. He was later crucified on the cross of Calvary and out of the tomb on the third day he came triumphant and victorious over death, hell, and the grave. He still reigns today. The gospel tells us that he performed miracles on the side of the road. He healed the multitudes without MRIs and medicine and x-ray and doctor visits. He healed the multitudes with a simple word. He opened the blind eyes. He healed the sick. He even raised the dead. He conquered everything that came up against him. He confounded the wisdom of those who confronted him. He silenced his adversaries with a word of authority. The people around said, never, never have we heard anyone speak with such authority. The Bible tells us that he cast out demons with a simple word from his mouth. There has never been one like him. There will never be another. He is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who took our sins to Calvary's cross. He died for the world on the old rugged cross, and he later ascended to the Father. And today, people say, well, where is he today? My friend, today he is sitting at the right hand of God, the Father in heaven, and the Bible says he's there, not wasting his time, but every day of my life, he's interceding, he's interceding on my behalf to the heavenly father Rick I know right now you're feeling alone but every day my friend you get up he's interceding He's saying, Father Rick needs a little more of your grace today Rick needs a little more of your strength He's interceding on our behalf He was buried in Joseph's tomb and on schedule. He was buried in the tomb. Man's hopes thought they were lost. He was buried in the tomb. The tomb is a place of silence. The tomb is the place where you come to visit those who've passed away and are gone. On schedule, he rose triumphantly from the grave. You see, there's been a lot of men and women down through the ages who have made claims. But Jesus Christ is the only one who said they're going to destroy this temple. They're going to kill this body. But in three days, I'm going to raise it again. He's the only one that has the ability to let somebody else tear the temple down. And he's the only one that has the ability to raise it back up. On the third day, he's never early, he's never late, he's always right on time. He said three days. He didn't make a mistake on the third day. He rose triumphant. Why? Because he is mighty God. Listen to the words of Psalm 147 and 5. It says, great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limits. 
Zephaniah 3 and 17. The Lord your God, I love this passage, is in your midst. A mighty one who will save. Aren't you glad he's the mighty one today? He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love and he will exult over you with loud singing. Psalm 62 and 11. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this. The power belongs to God. Psalm 93, excuse me, 95 and 3. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. He is the mighty God, and there's no one like him. You see, it is Jesus Christ who provides free healing and full salvation. He can change your life and turn your life around in a moment. What you and I can't do in a lifetime, he can do in a moment's notice. Jesus precedes all others in their priority. He exceeds all others in their superiority. And he succeeds all others in their finality. He once was and he still is today. Jesus Christ is truly the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the mighty God. You will find Isaiah continues on in verse 6 and says this. He is the eternal Father. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but he existed before Bethlehem began. He's always been, and yet he'll always be. He has no beginning, and he has no ending. Jesus was God in the flesh then. Christ will still be God after eternity begins for you and for me. He will be God long after the nations of great power lie in the dust of what they once were. He will still be God when every man who's ever raised his fist towards heaven and defied God has returned to the dust from which he was created. Isaiah 26 and 4. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord God is an everlasting God. Friend, he will still be God when our short and vaporous life is all over. He will still be God when all of the questions and all of the confusion we've ever had have been fully answered with a heavenly and an eternal understanding. He'll still be God when my weaknesses have been turned into strengths. He'll be still be God when our defeats have become our victories. He'll still be God when our life on this earth has ended and you and I step from this earth into the expanse of eternity where time shall be no more he is the eternal he is the everlasting one he has been he will always be my friend you can always count on that fact he was before you were he still is now and he will always be through all eternity he is the everlasting eternal Fourthly, in verse 7, Isaiah pins these words. He is the prince of peace. And he begins to describe his domain as the prince of peace. Now, this passage we read from is prophetic because it will not be fully realized until the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. 
During that millennial reign, our Savior will rule and reign over all the earth. The establishment of the kingdom will rest upon his shoulders. And the Bible describes the life expectancy of his kingdom. It is summed up in the words of Isaiah of the greatness of his government and peace. There will be no end. Jesus doesn't care about being reelected. Jesus doesn't care about who's in power around the world. You see, it's going to be different when Jesus comes back this time. The first time he came as a babe in a manger. This time he'll come back as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The first time he came. Now, when you walk out in the lobby this morning, when you leave, you'll see a nativity set over there. And often that's the picture that we're left of with Jesus. My friend, the first time he came as a child, the next time he'll come back as a mighty warrior. The first time he rode a donkey, next time he'll come back on a white horse with the armies of heaven all behind him. The first time Jesus stood in submission before Pilate, next time Pilate will stand in submission before Jesus Christ. You see, at his first coming, Jesus was rejected and he was but at his last coming, the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. At his first coming, he wore a crown of thorns for you and for me. At his second coming, he will wear the royal crown of heaven as king of all time. When Jesus was here the first time, he walked on the water. But when he comes back the next time, he will split time and eternity when he steps out on the clouds and gathers his beloved from the four corners of this earth. My friend, when that happens, the law of gravity, the laws of time and space will lose their hold on the church and we will lift up from this earth and we forever will be with the Lord in the air and the Bible says, encourage one another with these words. When that happens, I don't know about you, but wow, I got to the place here just not long ago. I told Paul, I said, let's just leave the news off. If you don't mind me being real for a minute, I'm so sick of everything that's going on in the world. I'm so sick of hearing what somebody's doing or somebody's not doing or what somebody said or what they think they said 15, 20, 30, 50 years ago. When Jesus Christ comes back, nobody will care what the voices in Hollywood are saying. Hollywood will all be over. The glitz and the glamour of this world will all be behind. The glitz and glamour and the gold of this world today will be replaced with holiness and godliness. The Washington scandals will be over. And righteousness, oh, it's going to be an incredible time. Righteousness will rule and reign. The world will never again be the same. Amen. I've got good news for you. When Jesus comes back, Washington is out. 
The United Nations is out as Jesus Christ sits upon the throne as the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And the Bible says all will see his power. Friend, he is the Prince of Peace. And I would bring that down a little closer. And I would tell you today that he is the Prince of your peace. He doesn't just have peace. He is peace. During this Christmas, my friend, he wants to bring peace to your life. I didn't say there won't be storms. I didn't say there won't be trials. But he can bring peace in the midst of the storm. I would remind you of the disciples in the boat. And they were in a terrible storm. And Jesus stood up in the middle of all and said, peace, be still. Be at peace. Friends, his birth changed everything. Because he came, we no longer have to be bound by fear and worry and anxieties. But in Jesus' name, we can have peace from the prince of all peace. Can I tell you today that when things are out of control, he's still in control. Jesus never wakes up in heaven worried. He never starts his day off. You ever had days before you even got out of bed, you're worried about everything, and by the time you actually got out of bed, the day it started and you were in a frenzy? You know, Jesus never has a bad day. Why? Because he is the king of all kings and the Lord of lords. Everything is in submission to him. And I want to tell you, if everything is in submission to him, the Bible says we are his heirs. We're his sons and daughters. And what is his is mine. What is his is yours. So if he's the prince of peace, that means I can have peace because of him. He is the prince of all peace. Friends, it's not a peace the world can give. My heart was so moved this morning during worship. It, I, I really don't believe. Mark, I'm glad that you encouraged her to sing that song, but I really believe there was more than just man's desire to hear that song. I believe God wanted to remind us of something this morning. This is how we fight our battles. The rest of the world, uh, we run in fear. And, and the truth is, let's be honest, we've all been there and done that, haven't we? We, we get filled with worry and fears and anxiety. What am I going to do? And how's this going to come out? And how am I going to make it tomorrow? I don't know what's going on today. I'm fearful of what may be around the corner. I'm concerned about this. I'm concerned about that. And we, we, we try to man... Yeah, any of you in the room ever try to manhandle the problems? I've stood on the sand of the ocean and I've reached down and scooped up the sand and no matter how tightly you try to hold it it seems like it just keeps falling through your fingers we grasp at it but we can't get it we fight our battles my friends not in the natural we fight our battles through him Instead of running to somebody else, friends, we ought to run to him. When we've got a concern, instead of asking, you see, I have, I have people in my life, I like to get their advice sometimes, but friends, let me tell you, the best of friends that I have and the wisest of friends that I have do not have what God has. That's why I ought to run to him first. This is how I fight my battles. 
as we were singing this morning in worship and we were declaring all of these things, this is how I fight my battles. Not sitting back in worry and in fear, by declaring who he is. We are not limited by man's degree. We are not limited by man's ability. See, the battle is not ours. The battle is the Lord's. <laughs> so, my friend, as we come to this holiday season, I wonder what things you might be carrying that he wants to carry for you. What things are you wrestling with that he'd rather wrestle with for you? What things are you concerned about that he already has the answer to? What are you struggling with? What are you afraid of? What mountain is before you? that you can't see over the top of. You know, we, we were talking the other day, and I told Paul, I said, I, I kind of wish when we come to Christmas that I could kind of go back and be like I was when I was a kid. I'd get so excited about Christmas. I have never been a morning person. There's... I would say there's not been a day in my life when I was, but I would tell you, when I was a kid, I was up before the sun was up. And I made sure that my mom and daddy were up before the sun was up. Because I knew there were some things I didn't know I had asked. But I didn't know what was under the tree, but I knew there were some things that my mom and daddy had prepared for me. And all I had to do, all I had to do was go over to the tree, find the one with my name on it, pick it up. And, you know, I wasn't one of those children that sat back and very graciously unwrapped. You know, I wasn't one of those that said, well, I, I don't want to tear the paper up. Mom might need it for something else. Man, I'm telling you what, if I found the least bit of a loose bit of paper, I was tearing on that paper, unwrapping it with all the vim and vigor I could get my hands on because I knew it was a gift for me. My mom and dad, over the years, there were many times they struggled to provide things for us kids. My mom and dad would go without some things so that us kids could have some of those things. My friend, I want to tell you today, Jesus Christ has suffered so that you and I could be in comfort. Jesus Christ paid the price so you and I wouldn't have to pay the price. The Bible says the punishment that brought us peace was on him. He paid it all. And why did he pay it all? To give a gift to you and to me. You know, I remember I 
looked up this past week. I shared this with you uh, last weekend, just a snippet of it. I looked up. I remember I had this racetrack when I was a kid. And, man, it was not, I had to have this racetrack. Hot Wheels Sizzler racetrack. It was the, I mean, it was the cool thing before cool was even around. And I remember unwrapping that gift, and I mean, I was ecstatic. I was like a crazy kid because I'd gotten what I asked for. I wonder today what you've asked for. Maybe some of you are at a place in your life and you say, you know what? God has been stirring in my heart and my spirit that I need more of him. And you say, I've just had a real hunger. During this holiday season, I've had a real hunger for more of God in my life. Maybe the gift you've been asking for was peace. Maybe the gift you've been asking for was healing in your body. Maybe the gift you've been asking for was healing in your emotions. Maybe the gift you've been asking for was he would bind up your broken heart. My friend, whatever you need, the best way I know to describe it is this. Whatever you need, he is. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Mighty God. He is the Everlasting Father. He is the Wonderful Counselor. Isaiah went on to say in Isaiah 53, he is our healer. Everything you need, he is. Father, this morning in this place, you know the many things, Father, that have uh, come with us today as we came to this place. There are men and women who have come to this church today, and along with them came sickness there are men and women who have come to this church today and, and along with them have come worries and fears and concerns and uh, even some anxieties and some sleepless nights and some big mountains, big mountains that are looming in front of them. As they walked in the doors, maybe for a little while, their mind has gotten off those things, but those things have come with them. Maybe for them it is great need that nobody else on this earth can give. For some, maybe it's loneliness. For some, it's been a feeling of despair. For some, they need the forgiveness of sin. Holy Spirit's been speaking to your heart, friend, about turning your life to Christ. My friend, it's not a hard thing. Just a moment, just a moment, He can turn your life around. So, Father, today, collectively, right now, as you know each one of us in this room, I pray for those today who are in need of your touch. Father, help us today to see you as you truly are. Not just the babe in the manger in Bethlehem. 
But may we see you as the one who sits at the right hand of God the Father. Always interceding on our behalf. Father, whatever needs we may have, I ask in Jesus' name. Lord, would you meet the need? Would you give the gift today? I believe you, Lord. And I believe in your ability to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me today? Friend, today, today, no matter what you may be facing, he is. He is. So friend, if you need forgiveness of sin, the Bible says that we confess our sin to him. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if you need forgiveness, he is more than able. If you need a miracle in your life, he's still the miracle worker. If you have a hurdle to try to cross, he said, I'll be with you right there. I'll bring you through it. You won't be alone. So friend, whatever need you've maybe come with today, doesn't matter how big or how small, he is the answer. This morning what I'd like to do, Paula is going to sing and lead us its worship. And she does, today, if you've come and you would like prayer, you say, I need to receive from him today. Friend, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. You just say, I need to receive from him we'd love to have the opportunity to pray with you so I'd like to ask you this morning as she begins to sing friend if you'd love to have prayer I'd like to encourage you to step out from where you're at and make your way down here just so that we're all together we know who to pray for we'd love to be able to pray with you today so today if you've come and you'd like prayer as she begins to sing would you come allow us the honor I'm praying with you today. Spirit, Would you come if you'd like prayer today? Come here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. 